Greetings, friends. This is Why Whiskey, a history podcast with a whiskey problem. Or is it a whiskey podcast with a history problem? We'll let you decide. Head on up to the bar, grab a stool and a drink, and let's talk. friends and fellow bar of questionable life choices patrons patrons what 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 do you call the folks that come sit at the bar all the time locals regulars hey why whiskey regulars you're a regular congratulations uh because you're listening and that's awesome hey check it out tonight no history uh, I don't know if you noticed a theme over the last couple weeks here. We're really focusing heavy and hard on the whiskey. We're going to keep that ball rolling because it's got some momentum and I want to drive it. Now, don't worry, my history nerds. This is just a temporary blip, right? We're going to educate you on some whiskey and then we're going to go right back into the history here in a couple weeks. I promise. It's coming back. I promise. I promise. But tonight, all the energy going right to whiskey. We're diving into the barrels. And we're going to drink some, uh, some water of life, as it were. The term given to whiskey from the Celts a long, long time ago. But before we get too far, I want to remind you of a few rules. Okay? So let's talk about some of the rules that govern whiskey. Let's talk about bourbon. It's got to be produced in the United States to be called bourbon. It's got to be at least 51% corn. Uh, it's put into new charred oak barrels every time it's got to go directly into a new and it's got to be put into the barrel at 125 proof or better uh by better i mean lower so uh contains no colors no nothing other than some water to proof it down that's it that's it so if we look at rye rye has a lot of those same rules right uh that apply to bourbon it's just instead of the 51 percent variant being corn in the bourbon it's that for rye it's got to be 51 percent or better and all the the uh all those still apply. Now, rye can be made in various countries across wherever, right? And all the same things apply for, like, wheat whiskeys and all those other things. Scotch. Let's talk about scotch. Maybe some little hint into where we're going this evening, right? So with scotch, right, we've got two basic types. And then uh, three kind of blends, right? So we've got the single malt and we've got the single grain. Those have rules of themselves. We've got a blended malt, a blended grain, and then a blended scotch. Now, all of those have rules which are long and crazy. I'm not going to read those to you. You can go look those up. Uh, I'll post a link to them in the show notes and you can go check those out when you have time. But some of the highlights here, it's got to be produced in Scotland. Must be. It must be made from malted barley, but it can contain other stuff. Its sugar conversion must use natural enzymes from the malted barley, it's put into oak casks no larger than 185 gallons. It's aged in Scotland in oak for at least three years. And this, remember, this is to be called scotch. 
And it also contains no added substances other than caramel coloring. They can add coloring to your scotch. So you may be asking why exactly I'm reminding you of all of those rules in legal speak. Well, what we're drinking tonight breaks all of those rules and touts itself as being, quote, unapologetically authentic, end quote. Joining me at the bar tonight uh, to guide us through this rebellious whiskey journey is the founder and CEO of Infused Spirits, an avid barrel smasher, winner of five silvers, three golds, and two double golds from the San Francisco World Spirits competition and six SIP awards, two of those being platinum, brand new father of a baby girl and whiskey rebel, Seth Benheim. Seth, hey, welcome to the Bar of Questionable Life Choices and Why Whiskey. Perfect. Well, I am, I'm extremely excited to be drinking here with you today. I love your setup. You got, oh, anyone who's got a wall of whiskey behind them is, is okay in my book. <laughs> so... It's been a, a building thing over time as people have been uh, listening to the show and watching. It's the, the collection has has been gathering over about four years. Is, that, now. is it like a room in your house or is it the garage or what, what, where are you? Yeah, it's a it's an upstairs room in our home. Uh, my wife graciously, we we have uh, older children that are leaving. So as they leave, I gain the space back. Uh, so I have taken over one of the bedrooms and made it the bar slash recording studio. So. Yeah, this oh, is very cool. That's that's very generous of her to let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. I, I think uh, she hates having the whiskey all over the house. So if she can contain me to one area of the house, she's she's probably pretty happy with that. So yeah, I, I had to take mine to work. So I, we had a second bedroom just like that, and we had to take it all. Uh, I'll show you quickly. And if anyone has a video, yeah. this is that's a portion of it, and you got all that. So. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. So <laughs> we. We clearly couldn't keep it all at home, and we were—it's just been nuts. So, we, so you know, it's a dilemma. <laughs> do you track your bottles? Like, do you have like a? Because yeah. I've got a menu. To be honest with you, I, I have a menu. Yeah, it's getting hard to like. They the bottles come in so quickly uh, from podcasting and trading and and just general buying. <laughs> I'm trying to do less of that last one, especially <laughs> now that I have a baby girl, but. Yeah, no, the menu is more of just like a confine the edges of a spreadsheet and print it, you know, any number of, of pages, but con confine it to the, the, the uh, what is it called? One page width and any page depth. <laughs> so I just print it all off and, and I do it once every like six months or so. People really want to look at the list, but people, I find people that come sit here want to like kind of shop with their eyes. And like the, the printing, I stopped printing it a while back because you can just look and go, oh, I want to try this. I want to try that. And I'm sure you get the same thing when, when someone comes in that room. Oh, absolutely. And, and I love doing that. I'm, I'm a shopper too. Like uh, I travel a lot for work. So I'll, I'll, I visit liquor stores like people visit art stores, you know, uh, <laughs> and just and a lot of times I won't buy anything. I just like to walk through the aisles and see what's there and what they have available. and and just enjoy, you know, being around that much booze. And it, so the same thing, I love it when people come in and they just kind of spend a few minutes just looking over everything and, and touching and grabbing and pulling stuff off. And I want to taste this and that. And I, I love doing that stuff. So it's been a, a joy. My wife has quickly figured out that liquor stores are like one of my favorite parts of traveling up there with like food and a good museum or a really nice hike or something. It's like going to a liquor store in a foreign country or a different state. is just one of the more exciting parts of traveling for me now that and distillery visits which you know i've tried to visit as many as i can 
And I think I've been to like 125, 135 different distilleries now. So wow. that's been a, a fascinating part of my journey is like just visiting distilleries and meeting people and drinking anything they're making. I'll try anything they can, I can get my hands on. So the distilleries that let you, you dip your fingers into stuff are, are some oh, of yeah. my, my favorites. And uh, there's been a couple smaller ones, I think of Hill Rock in New York. They, they oh, let yeah. us, they let us go into everything and they let us touch everything oh, and uh, the new mate coming off the still. And, uh, oh my God, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I don't know if that's like against the rules or something, but, uh, but it was new good. Yeah. Love the new mate. Love the white dog. It's usually a great indicator, uh, as to what you're, what you're going to get next in the, in the, or from that distillery per se. So that's one of my favorite parts. And I've had, I've bought new make at distilleries if it was good enough. I bought it. You know, I've got a couple bottles. Really? I didn't know that yeah, was a thing. I'll have to, good. I'll have to ask, uh, next time I'm, I'm out and around, although COVID's, COVID's been kind of weird. The last couple I've been to have been a little, uh, you know, the occupancy is down and then, you know, yeah. tours are super weird, but uh, hopefully we get back up and running soon and, uh, and things kind of return to some, some form of normal. And I'll definitely, I'll definitely ask about that moving forward yeah. if, if I can grab some of the new make. All right. So, uh, enough talk about them. Uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about you. Let's start drinking. Let's, let's get that rolling. Yeah. What are you going to, what I, if I, if do you want me to recommend some, some starting points or uh, do you want to, uh, do you have a, a, an order you want to taste them in? I'm, I'm good with either. <laughs> uh, no, you are the, uh, you are the subject matter expert here. So I will uh, gladly follow you on whatever adventure you take us on. So let's, we can go proof. Okay. Which would be the 88 proof California Oak is that purple label. And it's one of our newer products. It came out just under a year ago. Um, broken Barrel California Oak. Uh, 88 proof. This is a Kentucky straight bourbon. Um, it is, you know, I'll use a, a colloquial term finished. Uh, however, that doesn't mean for us what it means for everyone else per se. So we take Central Coast California Cabernet barrels. And I take this, uh, this here uh, hammer oh. and we actually, we actually smash those barrels up. So you can see like on the video portion of this, uh, this hammer's beat to shit. I mean, it's, it's really taken a beating. Um, and I love it's my barrel breaker, but it's, uh, we use that or when I'm there, I use that one. Um, and we break up those California, uh, cab barrels. So we use those, those Cabernet barrels and those French oak barrels, and we create what we call the oak bill. And I'll explain it once and this kind of, I'll use the term as we go forward, oak bill, mash bill. You can kind of see what we did there. We take the staves of the broken barrels and we put them in ratio, um, in a certain recipe into the whiskey. So wood in the whiskey, not just whiskey and wood. And that, that sort of high surface area, high contact is at the core of everything Broken Barrel does. So everything we create will have an oak bill as it has a mash bill. So everything, everything, everything. And most of the bottles with the exception of the single oak series have the oak bill and the mash bill on the label. So full transparency, you can see it on there. Uh, so 80% Central Coast and 20% French oak, two plus year Kentucky straight bourbon. So go ahead, give that a nose. Mm. 
I haven't had this one in a minute. Very sweet. And I think the, the, the nice part about, oh, and it really kind of, as you, as you let it finish, the fruit comes in at the end there. Right there, yeah. It really balances the end. So the idea with this is uh, like maybe three or four fold. So I'm born and raised in California. I've lived, you know, I lived in San Francisco um, most of my life in LA. My parents met in San Diego. So we kind of span the whole state as a family uh, with our, you know, who we all are. And I spent a lot of time in the central coast over the summers. We'd go wine tasting during college and after college. And I was born in 1988. So the 88 proof was actually picked for uh, the year I was born. And, you know, California oak really kind of putting California in a bottle with, with Kentucky whiskey was kind of shows where I'm from and where I want to be, which is in Kentucky. Uh, and unfortunately I don't live there or have not lived there yet. Although maybe one day I will, but, uh, I go there often and it's one of my favorite places in the world. I love everything about, um, Kentucky and, and the whiskey culture there is just unparalleled. It's like heaven on earth to be around the, the history there and the, the people there are, are so warm and welcoming. And it's just, a, it's a place I want to be as often as I can. Um, my wife felt the same way. I took her there a year ago for her first trip and she fell in love with it too. So this bottle is kind of like our way of saying, what is California known for? Cabernet wine, you know, Pinot Noir and other things as well and, and, and white wines, but really Cabernet, Central Coast Cabernet is gorgeous. You know, a lot of people have already done the Napa Valley thing. So I thought it would be cool to do something a little closer to where I'm from and a place that I spent more time because I've only been to Napa twice. So I thought uh, Central Coast, I've been there a lot. You know, <laughs> my, my, uh, my wife went to Santa Barbara, you know, my business partners are from Santa Barbara. So we, we spent a lot of time up in Paso and, and Santa Inez and all that. And so it's just a lot of time in that area. So I love the wines from that, that region and, and just, you know, this is, uh, this is kind of that, this is that project that brings that all together. One of the fascinating things, uh, every bottle of whiskey, I'm sure, you know, that you have behind you and I have behind me, they all have their, their own little unique stories. And hearing those stories has been probably one of my favorite things about whiskey. So hearing the, your personal connection to the California Oak, and I mean, it's, it's a bottle of Seth. Uh, it is your story. I basically, is a bottle of me. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be weird or anything, but like that's you know that that story is it is fantastic. Um, and the the whiskey's great. Well, you're, you're wondering why would you do something, and you know you got there's got to be some kind of reason to the madness. You know, we could have done rum, we could have done port, we could have done any number of things, and for this to be a core addition to our bourbon, our rye, and our cast strength bourbon. It really had to be, you know, a meaningful um, addition, and so we really thought long and hard about what what that would be and how people would perceive a whiskey from a bunch of guys. People mostly sometimes think we're we're doing everything in California, but this all happens at Green River Distillery in Owensboro, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. We work with Jacob Call and the team there. To we we I went out there several times and. We bought sledgehammers for them. They have their own hammers now. And, you know, we didn't have, didn't take very many swings to show them how we wanted them to break the barrels and gather up the staves and what to look for on the staves. And, you know, we wanted to make sure we got the sloppiest, wettest pieces from, you know, the bottoms and 
We like to use the heads as well. You know, we want to wash the backs of the barrels off a little bit, just to kind of get that outer layer of any kind of dirt off. You know, all of that happens in Kentucky. So this is, all of this stuff is, uh, unless otherwise stated, it's the core products are all uh, Kentucky uh, bourbons and rye. It, so I see the videos on, on your website and all that. So that, that actually, that process takes place in Kentucky. So there's, yes. so you guys are just headquartered in California? As of 2020, as okay. of 2020, we, we are all from California. Yep. We partnered on our vodka brands, which is, you know, let's not talk too much about the vodka, but we're going to talk about that uh, a little while later. This whole thing, this whole thing starts from a vodka company. Um, we were figuring out how to, you know, expand into whiskey. We were buying whiskey from Kentucky and shipping it to Las Vegas. And then we were actually doing the smashing. So I've been to Vegas a bajillion times, like, like un, unknown to me or anyone else, how many times I've been there, maybe every three or four weeks for the last eight years. Uh, so we'd go out there, we'd bring our, our tools and our, our hammers and all that. And we would go uh, get the barrels that we were going to open up and dump, as well as the empty barrels that we were going to smash and gather the stave. So we had kind of two goals when we would go out there and we did that from 2017 to 2019 and i was able to structure a deal to actually we were we got to the size and volume that they would take us on as a direct client because they're small like 500 cases which is like 10 barrels 20 barrel 10 15 barrels depending on how full they are yeah so that was 2017 we did like 15 barrels it's nothing and then the following year we uh, tripled that and then the following year we doubled that and then the year after that we you know covid we kept it all the same but we got to those sizes like five six thousand cases of whiskey um where we were able to uh, become a client of a direct client not just a, a, a purchaser so they started doing our bottling for us and doing the process for us and we're really ramping up now we're gonna we expect to double or triple last year's numbers this year um uh, just whiskey so it's going to be you're going to see a lot of cool things coming out um some rare some rarer harder to find stuff as well as some um some more you know even improvements on the brand itself the the core brand too excellent so all of this where where did the inspiration to grab a barrel smash it up and throw it in some distillate where where did that come from how did uh, how did this idea like uh, you know and if this is like proprietary stuff you got just let me know no, no, we'll, not, we'll, we'll go not. to the next question um no it's not proprietary i mean yeah. if you if you so feel that you can smash some barrels and do what we do i welcome you to try it's a lot harder than you think <laughs> it sounds easy <laughs> but there's we we go through trial and error so by the time we put something out into the world we've already messed up a hundred times and have spent the money and and lost, you know, however much whiskey and destroyed however many barrels it took, which that part we don't need to get into, but <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And for the vodkas as well, like, you know, putting fruit in the vodka and leaving it in the bottle for our infused spirits vodka brand, um, that whole thing, we disgusted a lot of people and threw away a lot of vodka before we got to, you know, best in show, double gold awards and all that stuff. So, the trial and error part of it, you know, a lot of the big companies don't want to 
get into that kind of stuff because it's a little daunting to to fail only to begin you have to fail a bunch of times before you start and that's that's kind of where my education and this whole business has come from is you have an idea and you have to try a bunch of different ways to pull it off and they don't all work and so you know that's that the, the challenge can sometimes deter the the competition or the copycats or anything like that so the patience that is possessed by whiskey producers, I, I got to tell you, it is a something that I admire greatly because I, I ain't got it. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that you guys are able to uh, take this and craft it and build these things over time and be able to, you know, you spend all this time doing it, it comes out and it sucks. So you toss it and you just start over. It's hard. It hurts your soul. That's a hero status thing for me because I, I would be, I would just be like, oh, fuck, I'm out, you know? Um, yeah. So... Uh, thank you for uh, sticking with it and and producing this great stuff. So let's uh, moving on. Yeah. So were you, any final thoughts on California oak tasting notes? Uh, what are you getting out of that? Or so I get the dark fruit. I get a lot of dark, but that that kind of is how my my palate's toned. Dark fruit kind of comes out as cherries for me. I, that might be the Michigan kid in me. Um, I get the the normal uh, for me the the heavy caramel, like the chewy kind of caramel. I'm surprised at how full it is for an 88. So I, I drink a lot of the higher yeah. proof stuff. Um, this and, and a lot of first. So now the lower proof whiskeys tend to feel a little bit watery, a little thin. This is not that this is this gives you that that real robust kind of full mouth uh, experience with a, uh, a a lower proof, which I, I really enjoy. Yeah, I get that. Um... This, this thing like begs for an old fashioned with like a Luxardo cherry, one of those darker, more syrupy, not the maraschino sugary, like more, um, but that dark, dark uh, Luxardo cherry um, just kind of seems like the perfect pairing with this. And honestly, I mean, this goes really, really well. It's so, it's, I find it to be very, uh, very palatable to like, I would drink this with spicy food or, or I would drink this with like a nice steak or something that has a lot of pepper mm-hmm. because this has really nice, um, I hate the word smooth, but it has a really sort of uh, drinkable quality to it. That's a little dangerous at times because it doesn't really burn and it, it, you know, the alcohol is certainly there, but it's certainly not the, the, it's not like the 116 proof you'll, you'll try, or I don't know if you have that one. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there, yeah, behind the mic. Um, yeah, the 116 is going to be a little more intense uh, for sure. So this is a great starting point. People getting into whiskey, uh, maybe uh, you're a whiskey guy and, and your wife is not is a wine gal. This could be kind of a communal point where you could take a little Cabernet and taste it and then take a little bourbon like our regular bourbon or something and taste that and then taste this and kind of compare and even take like a drop with your pinky and put it in there and kind of like, Oh, Oh, I'm starting to see how this flavor, you can actually like try to make this yourself with like an eyedropper and like take drops of red wine and drop it into bourbon and see if that has the same sort of effect. You can, you could actually, uh, uh, you know, tinker and see if you can recreate similar qualities. It's, it's fun. I mean, I've done that many times and it's, it's really, uh, it's not exactly perfect because the, the process is obviously a little more oak related versus wine related, but that's kind of in essence what's happening uh, when you use these finishing barrels or staves is like you get uh, 
way more flavor than just what bourbon's going to deliver necessarily on its own. Dropping wine into into the whiskey, I, that was not even something that I had thought about even playing with. You know, I play with water all the it's, time. Not like, a, yeah. don't waste the whole bottle, but well, like, right. <laughs> you know, do a shot glass and like just for one shot of the bottle, you know, tinker with a little couple of pinky drops of wine and it's it's pretty good. <laughs> I've done that. That's kind of how we've done that with, you know, when we're looking at, okay, we're going to finish a whiskey or, or, or oak bill, put an oak bill on a whiskey. Like I have some single malt and I want to try mezcal barrels. So I'll teaspoon a little bit of mezcal into the whiskey hmm. to see if it even plays well together or if it's gross, you know, and that's how we start, you know, I have enough stuff here that I can go, okay, maybe I'll take a little corn whiskey and I'll take a little wheat whiskey and I'll blend those together. And that's how the tinkering process kind of goes around here at this office is we, we, we have eyedroppers and we just eyedrop little bits and pieces of things together and see what improves or what, you know, goes the other direction and it gets worse. So the Mezcal single malt sounds, uh, that one was good. <laughs> Intriguing. I, I so I'm not a tequila person. I I can't uh, I can't play with tequila, um, but uh, but I want to. You know what I mean? Like I there's a tequila out there. For I just you. don't shut it off. You know what I mean? That's my problem. It's it's never just one tequila. It's you know twenty and then you know weird shit happens. But like uh, uh, you know so, but that that mixture of the the single malt with the with the tequila would be I ah I I'm so confused. Like my brain is trying to put that together with the flavor profiles of that. That's awesome. Really, the, it's the the earthier, smokier mezcals mm -hmm. have a quality that is reminiscent of, of peated scotch. And so malt whiskey, single malt whiskey, um, especially American stuff, that's a little darker and a little rougher than scotch, um, especially if it's been aged in new barrels. When you combine that with earthy, smoky qualities of even um, X peated scotch barrels or X mezcal barrels that have picked up a lot of that smoke. The, the malt whiskeys do a hell of a lot better than anything corn-based or even rye-based. Those flavors, at least if you know your whiskeys, that you know that there's something a little off that's not agreeing with each other. So I could not for the life of me with hundreds of samples get peated scotch to do anything with corn. It's just a terrible, terrible <laughs> mess. And I don't ever recommend anyone experimenting or wasting. I'll save you, I'll save you money. Don't try it. It's, it's, and, I, and of the, the peated bourbons I have tried, they're terrible. No offense. Like the brands, the brands that have made peated bourbons in the past have done some really great products in general, but those particular offerings, I've yet to find a smoky bourbon that is good. It's just, it's, oh, it's awful. It's such a bad, <laughs> it's so bad, <laughs> unfortunately. I think the, the only uh, peated bourbon that I, I can speak on with fondness is coming out of Kings County. Uh, and I've, I was lucky enough to get a single barrel peated, peated bourbon. bourbon. Yeah. That's one of the few I haven't tried peated uh, bourbon from Kings County. That's a little flask one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'll have to try it. If you say that's a good one, maybe, maybe they figured something out. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chat after this. I can, I can shoot you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Excellent. All right. So where are we going? Okay. Uh, I see in the back there, you've got like batch one, two, or three of the bourbon of the small batch. Yeah. Yeah. This is, Which batch is that? this is batch number one. You have batch one. Yeah. So here's what I'll tell you. 
Uh, it's certainly not our best batch. <laughs> uh, so I will, I will allow any level of judgment. This is 29 year old Seth first whiskey ever, 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 ever. And we did get a silver medal on it, which is fine. Yeah, you know, I'll take it. I think that was maybe a little generous. <laughs> uh, going back and revisiting it, I don't love this whiskey, but I'm also my own worst critic. So um, you may find that you like it. I was, I am of the impression that every new batch we do is generally better than the last. And we're just getting better and better and better at everything. So um, that that is my you have me here so i'll tell you that but <laughs> you may like it you may love it, 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 it just because i didn't love it doesn't mean it's it's uh <laughs> it doesn't mean that someone else may not be their favorite whiskey of all time so so with this one and with uh also with the the barrel proof this is also the the batch one um i got lucky oh but that's a whole generation we had okay. already changed the label the bottle you can okay. see it's got a different cork so we we were way better versed i i can speak fondly on all the the 116 batches um because that was we had already been making whiskey for over a year and we had already you know worked out a little more of the kinks and you can even see it's got the orange label on the top like those are gold <laughs> foil now as you saw on the other ones it's just changed so much and it, so the funny part is that you have two bottles there that are still they still say infuse on them not broken barrel correct right so those are like addition ones like those don't we stopped making those in 20 yeah those ones we stopped making in 2019 yeah like summer of 2019 would be the last time one of those left our warehouse so a little a little under two years ago okay yeah, this was uh, this one was tucked. I'm in Massachusetts, and uh, and it was the only uh, broken barrel I could find uh, on a shelf in Massachusetts. And I've got a pretty pretty hefty uh, uh, route of stores that I, I travel here locally. And this one was I, I was able to find it kind of tucked away. And and I figured I saw the the batch one. I was like, all right, this is this is awesome. This has been here for a little bit. So I hand wrote that one on there. By the way, uh, it looks yeah the gold the gold marker. Okay. Gold yep. marker, yeah. Yep. I, I, we had a guy standing there with the roll, and so I would pull the roll. And he'd just stand there. One of my employees would stand there. I'd pull the roll, and I'd sign, and I'd pull, and I'd sign. And then we had a little like system where we would roll it back up on the other side. It was quite crude how we <laughs> managed to pull that off. Because uh, he was just standing like a toilet paper roll, just like with the entire 3,000 labels we made of batch one. So I, I feel like I need to put this away then. Uh, and just keep it because it's it's the first one it's it's having that is more special for the label and the hand signature and all that than it is for the juice inside in my opinion still and i'm and i'm and i'm my own worst enemy so all right but are, are we gonna go to the bourbon do you want to go to the bourbon or yeah gonna... i don't i don't have one of those open here okay honestly all I've right got a closed one that i won't open today so i'm actually just drinking the rye right now but Ooh. You've got a lot to try. Why don't we just go to the rye? Yeah. Go to the rye. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I uh, I was yeah. I was playing with this last night and uh, I'm I'm newer to rye, so started with bourbon, heavy with bourbon, kind of found my happy place and slowly started about I don't know two years ago, kind of branching out and finding some other 
other stuff. And Rise, Rise have been my my kind of number two. Right there, the yeah. Oh, easily. Rye, Rye fans are oftentimes bourbon fans. It's it's a what's the what's the batch on that one? Three, four. Uh, this is batch five. Five. Okay. Good. You were only up to batch six, so that's pretty. That's pretty new. Um, I was able to. I picked this up in New Hampshire. You guys uh, just yeah, released we're all, Yeah, we we just got uh, we just got the test done. We had a six month test and we passed. We we hit our sales numbers as a brand new brand with very little marketing. Uh, so I would say thank you to anybody in New Hampshire that that uh, that has been buying our stuff. You guys have you got us through to the next stage. So we're gonna be, I think the the bourbon. And they have, they should have the bourbon there as well. The 95 proof bourbon was our number one yep. in New Hampshire, then the rye and California Oak is, I think going to pass as well. We still have another month to hit it, but hopefully all three stay in there, but at least the two, the bourbon and the rye are, are, are in, we made the number. So that was good. Excellent. Yeah. They did have the, they had the bourbon there, uh, that and the California were, uh, right side by side, but I, uh, I, I figured, oh, I've got one of those at home. I didn't realize it was. A different one. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, so. they got they got batch ten. So I'll just say my favorite of the bourbons, batch ten is nuts. It's just I don't know what happened. I don't know what I don't know what we did differently. We we were supposed to be exactly like nine, but batch ten of the ninety five proof was just we my we all sat around. We have a circular table in the kitchen, and we all sat around. We got our first samples. We tried it at like we get to try it. If we're not there physically, we get to try um, 200 ml samples of everything at about four weeks. But sometimes we don't end up bottling from scheduling or one reason or another. We may not end up bottling for another like two to four weeks more sometimes from sample trial, which kind of just we always just okay, it's going in the right direction. It needs another two weeks, needs another two months. We kind of make our decisions. We've done enough batches between all the products that we kind of know um and we look at what time of year it is so if it's the winter we'll be like leave it for another month if it's the summer we'll be like take it out tomorrow or you know uh, uh empty the tank and get the whiskey out and don't let the wood do do any more it's, it's there it, yeah. don't over oak it you know which is which can happen when you're staving um and doing an oak bill versus like traditional uh barrel finishing so Batch 10, man, it was so good. And we sat around, we're like, shit, this is <laughs> exceptionally good. And the California Oak has been our favorite through and through of the core lineup forever. Every batch we've made has just been better than anything else we made, like just by a long shot. We all like wine and we all like those flavors, but batch 10 was, that was it. That was so good. And that is in New Hampshire. So again, New Hampshire people, batch 10, buy two of them because that something happened there. I don't know. There's magic in those states for sure. Weather dependent. Uh, I, I got a plan to trip up there tomorrow anyway for something else. So, uh, so I'll, I'll swing by. You could compare them. You will, you will see a world of difference. So, all right. Broken barrel heresy rye whiskey uh, is what you got in your glass. And this is 105 proof every day. That's not our cast strength or anything. That's just what we like the rye at. It is a 95% rye, 5% malted barley, but it is not from Indiana. Just because it's the same mash bill as MGP, it is not from Indiana. I have been there. I have, I have video on my cell phone of the rye leaving the truck 
and going into the the mill where they're going to grind it and create their their um, their ground uh, rye for the for the fermentation process. So it's a fascinating thing. They roll this truck over a big steel grate where they actually have um, a conveyor. Mm-hmm. So the, the truck just empties straight down in through the grate and then goes uh, right up this conveyor up to a very, very tall mill. Um, if you do get the chance to do the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, um, go to Green River Distillery, go see Jacob, go see the team. I don't know if they're doing tours during COVID or not, but man, it's, it's a, I've been to a lot of distilleries as we discussed. It's a, one of my favorites and not just because I work there, like just generally it is a, it's a really cool complex. Um, they're doing 90,000 barrels a year. So they're big. Wow. I mean, they're not, they're not small. Yeah. Not at all. Big operation. Right off the get go. Um, this beautiful, uh, I almost want to call it grassy just, uh, and I, I get that with rise quite often. Um, like a, a sweet grassy kind of, I, uh, growing up in, in Northern Michigan after the rain, uh, we'd go up to the fields where we had our horses and cows and stuff. And, uh, it, it, this tastes like that smells, um, uh, which is, or, or this, this nose is how that, how that smells. Yeah. It's got a, um, it's got almost like a, a very mild vegetal element to it that I think you get on the nose, mm-hmm. but what you get when you, when you start drinking it, you'll get, um, and the through line for these guys out of Green River. I've got my I've got my uh, my Green River poster, <laughs> <laughs> which I keep over here. I, I I love these guys. I mean, they're they're just like I think they're some of the coolest people. They've they kind of fly under the radar um, for the most part, but they do a great job. So you get this like vanilla note. It's the through line for everything they make, um, which you'll get on on the four core we're tasting. Um, and you'll get it on the on the 116, which we'll try. Um, everything's vanilla, but this one it kind of evolves because it's rye. It, it really kind of morphs into like this vanilla frosting more than like the vanilla bean you'll get on the bourbon products. And there's this creaminess and and, and frosting like character, almost like powdered sugar uh, to a sense, and that really well balanced with the spice that rye spice that that quintessentially 95 percent rye uh flavor that we've all come to know and love from all the different iterations of mgp rye whiskey that's out in the market and all of it's fantastic you know i love i would drink that almost at any age i would drink rye whiskey at like two years to whatever it's good Everyone, different times, different places, different reasons, but it's all incredible. The spicy is is where I, I think Rise got me, and the the tingle on the tongue, and then just the the kind of peppery corn, uh, well, peppercorn, not corn, but uh, you know that just that that cracky. I don't, I'm really bad with like putting it into into words, but uh, but that's that's kind of where Rise made me happy. You because you've got the sweetness. Uh, and generally, with your your lower uh, percentage rise, you know, you see they mix it in with like uh, with corn, right? Um, so you kind of get yeah. that. You get the the gooey chewiness of a bourbon with the spicy rye, uh, but the 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 majority being that rye is just it's different. And I I I enjoy this. <laughs> it's very you know it it drinks way under its weight class, so you know it it comes in. 105 you're thinking okay this is going to be a little hot it's going to be a little bit abrasive 
at that proof. And it, it, this thing drinks like it's 90 proof to me, uh, which is always a surprising thing. Whenever I come back to the rye neat room temp, like it's just always kind of blows me away how, how easy it is to drink 105 proof whiskey. And so the heresy part of it, the, the name comes from uh, really, you know, being a, a group of people that are just actively looking to do things in a way that people don't want you to do them and being kind of sacrilegious about whiskey. You know, we, we keep that Kentucky element intact, which is the, you know, we're going to Kentucky, we're getting it from a rather un, uh, under underrepresented distillery that doesn't have, you know, 17 different brands and products on the shelf when you walk into a store. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's not MGP, which I think is another big deal for our core items. We do use MGP, by the way. Like, we're going to drink some MGP shit, like, in a minute. Okay. But the, and I got nothing again. I love MGP. I just right. didn't want my core brands to be MGP because I think there's something special about a smaller, lesser known Kentucky distillery. But then that, then we, like, draw the line in the sand. Like, okay, you got this, like, great core uh, whiskey supply and partners and, and distillers and bottlers. Now, how do we give them like heart palpitations and, and really like ask them to do something they don't quite understand and don't quite want to do, but we're paying them. So they have to, <laughs> which is like, here's so slightly, imagine the meeting, you go to the meeting they're like, okay, broken barrel, great name. What does it mean? We break the barrels. Oh, cool. Like you did that on the first one. Like, no, we do it on all of them. Okay, well, when you want us to do that, like, yeah, I got some hammers in the trunk that we go to the meeting, like, here are your hammers. And like, we're supposed to do this? Like, yeah, you guys got to do this. I can't be here every, I don't live here. I, I can't be here every day to do this. Give me your strongest guys, bring them out here. We got to break these barrels. And they're like, oh man, are you sure? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, that's how we're going to do it. And then we had to like, kind of rewrite the the, the programming because you know, it's a dirtier process. The whiskey takes in a lot more chips and chunks and this and that. So it kind of, they needed heavier duty filtering um, to re remove any kind of sediment um, from, from the staves versus being inside of a barrel. Uh, and then also just the tanks they use, they couldn't mix, our stuff was not able to be mixed with other whiskeys. So we have to find our own tanks that aren't being used. And so a tremendous amount of planning was involved to make this product relative to say a normal whiskey where you dump the barrels and it goes through the right tubes and the right pipes and into the right valves and comes out of the machine into the bottling area. This was not that simple. So heresy is kind of like, we quickly realized we were uh, heretics and I, my business card, uh, I never changed it back. I, I, I changed it from like CEO, I call myself the heretic. So you know, the heretic is that's we're, we're just not traditional. Once, once you get past the whiskey itself, everything about us is untraditional. And that's kind of the, I guess it's the fun or the point of it all. I mean, people may like it for that reason or not even understand that that's even going on or even see the word heresy. And that's fine. I don't care. You know, people don't need to know everything, but those that want to know, they, they'll, they'll figure it out. Maybe they appreciate it. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> You have to ask other people. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, the fascinating things about your guys' company and, and how that you come about, you know, at, at 25, right? You walk into the room and here's these uh, old grumpy dudes 
uh, and you're like, hey, man, uh, I'm here to change your shit. And they're like, what? Uh, you know, reading through your story is is fantastic. The the amount of uh, confidence and bravery it, it took to make those steps in a, in a world that, you know, the whiskey world is is awesome. They're they're very helpful. They're very outgoing uh, most of the times. But, man, when you start pushing back against tradition and, and you see that a lot, people hold on to these these traditions and what their whiskey is and, and their there's a lot of protection you know that goes along with that um and and to see you kind of come in and be like uh don't care here we go and and produce what you do is is wonderful how did you come about that at tw- <laughs> like 25 what what got you the confidence to walk into a room and say hey i'm changing it get on board or go away uh, i built up a lot of confidence in college um starting my own business back then and, and walking into a liquor or not, not a liquor store. A, uh, I walked into like furniture stores or auto dealerships or, you know, um, apartment leasing offices and stuff. And I created a business where I would sell stuff for people on Craigslist. And, you know, I, I would just kind of put myself out there and walk into rooms with people double or triple my age at the time, you know, 40 and 60 year old people that were, I would ask them for their money in exchange for selling their goods and services and whatnot. And, and that helped certainly give me a level of confidence that I was a, you know, half decent salesman and, you know, uh, certainly confident enough to, to, you know, the cold call or whatnot. Like I, I don't, I don't mind walking up to anybody and having any level of conversation and just kind of talking about anything. And I've learned to really spend a lot of my time, a lot of my time, you know, I talk to business partners that are in their fifties and sixties all day long for 10 years now. So it's just been, even at 32, uh, it's how old I am now. I just have spent, as much or more time dealing with people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s than I have uh, my own age for a decade and change since I was 19. I was always the youngest guy in the room. So that, that getting into whiskey, that never bothered me and, and generating you know respect and, and, uh, and trust from people. I'm an honest guy. I, I'm, 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 I'm nice to people or I try to be. So that's always worked well for me. You, know, you don't have to be an asshole to get stuff done in life you can you can be a good person or a nice person and and be honest and people will will respect you for that as well you don't have to be a ball buster and super serious all the time and you know i'm not my wife gives me a lot of crap because like i'll i'll be so serious all day at work i'll come home and like put on like nintendo and (laughs) you know put on like sweats and stuff just like be like a kid again the minute i get home she's like how come i only get you when you're like a 14 year old but you're like a 60 year old man all day i'm like yeah it's kind of <laughs> there's got to find a balance i think having a daughter definitely uh, my little babies uh i you know I'm, I'm on day and night now i just have to be an adult all the time now which is <laughs> which is great it's actually a good thing <laughs> it sucks we can be honest here yeah <laughs> adulting you don't sleep as much you can if for anyone listening, you can probably hear for people that know me well, I sound tired as shit right now. I am losing my voice already. <laughs> so, so you like, so you like, the, I like rye. the rye. I do. And it, uh, it sweetens up over time. Uh, you know, from the yeah. first to the third sip, uh, that last sip, I, I was almost able to get, uh, it, it was a weird, 
and I hate these these tasting notes, but if I had a, like a milk chocolate covered grape, as weird as that sounds, I I, I don't know why or, or where that. Well, the grape is the sherry cask. So is there, I, we didn't even talk about the oak bill. So both the bourbon, the rye, and uh, which I want you to try next is the um, the 116 proof bourbon. They all have the same oak bill. So all three of our four core items have the same exact oak bill, which is 40% French oak, 40% ex-bourbon barrels, and uh, 20% sherry cask. So the beauty of the oak bill is you get all three of those oaks sitting submerged in the whiskey at the same time for the same amount of time. So there's no kind of delineation between dumping bourbon from a sherry barrel to a French oak barrel to another ex-bourbon barrel. We don't have to do it three times over. It's a lot more efficient too. And I said this on another podcast recently, so I'll say it on yours too. Uh, Using staves is like salt and pepper, okay? You're cooking, you add a little salt, you go, okay, I think that's how much I added last time. And you taste it, you go, oh, it's not enough. I need to add a little bit more. If you're using entire full barrels and you dump your bourbon in there and you put it away and you put it away for six months and you taste it and you go, oh man, it's not enough. And you got a launch date in two weeks or three weeks. And (laughs) you've told people, you've pre-sold it. You got a bourbon club somewhere that wants to buy it. Nine out of 10 of these companies, unfortunately, the reality is they're going to meet the deadline and they're not perfectionists or this or that. Not saying that necessarily, you know, we're like the most perfect company on the planet, but the nine out of 10 people will just meet the deadlines, release the whiskey and it tastes like it tastes like, and they finished it for, they finished it in the barrel they said they were going to finish it in for the amount of time they said they were going to do it for. And it's going to taste like however it tastes. And that's what you're getting. Whereas we, we had a rum, we had a, uh, we did a rum and rye barrel uh, oak bill for flaviar.com. Okay. We tasted it at the four week mark. We all looked at each other and said, I don't taste any rum. This is not enough. So we were able to, we are, uh, we used about half a barrel, half a rum barrel in that oak bill. We put the whole barrel in. We, we, do, we had the staves, we kind of put them in it. We put them in a closed box, like one of those big blue hefty uh, closed lids. So they don't lose too much oxidation. They're probably good for another like month or two, but it only been four weeks. We put them back in the most beautiful rum flavors you can ever imagine. And the ability to go, okay, it needs two, 10, 20, 50 more staves gives you such a level of control of the outcome even on short notice that there's just no, there's no way you could do that with a traditional barrel finish and have that level of like tasting something and going, I think it needs more peach brandy or it needs more sherry. And you just throw a few more in there. So you literally take the stays by your hand and throw them in. That's it. It's that, it's that intricate of a, of a lever you can pull to change the flavor in real time. So you can never really have a product you don't like. If you if you're on top of it, the flexibility there has to be, uh, you know, on the business side amazing. of the house has to be amazing. It's amazing to be able to do that. Yeah, to just uh, to be able to to kind of throw that in there, and then the thought of folks listen to me they they may or, or may not uh, 
know, you know, how the, how the whiskey process and the barrel works. And when I talk about contact time, I know I've mentioned it before, but the amount of time that the, the whiskey touches or the surface, you know, the, the amount of staves that the whiskey actually comes into contact with and then it moves in and out of the wood, whatnot. But if, if you're breaking up these barrels and these, you know, you're adding edges that wouldn't normally come into contact with the whiskey. So at least two times. Yeah. Uh, we, we calculate more like two and three quarters or, or, or almost three times as much oak is in contact. If you were to measure the inches alone um, of, you know, height width of the area of the inside of a stave, and then you add in a little tops and bottoms, sides and back of the stave, you're getting almost twice as much oak in contact. And only half that oak um, really has the impartation of the flavors mm -hmm. uh, of the previous contents of that barrel. The outside of the barrel is a lot more like seasoned oak. So if you, I, mean, I recently tasted E.H. Taylor seasoned oak or seasoned wood, um, you know, a lot of uh, scotch companies, a lot of oak is generally seasoned before it's charred and all that, but there are barrels and um, there are products that have what are you know, referred to as seasoned oak uh, barrels where they actually leave the oak outside 18 months and let all the microorganisms and stuff. There are, there's all kinds of things from bacteria and dirt to, you know, uh, natural microorganisms and, and little things that can, uh, natural yeast that attaches. So there's all these things that kind of happen on the outside of the barrel and barrels are breathing. So whiskey, air, water, or, or sorry, uh, alcohol and, and air are passing through alcohol and water. I'm sorry, alcohol and evaporated water are passing through the uh, barrel uh, and its pores and that's changing the outside of the barrels, not just the inside. You look at the outside of a barrel, it, it starts over decades, they start to turn a little black and this and that. And there's something happening. There's a flavor you get from the back of the barrel too. And that's all, it's all in here. It's filtered and clean as hell, but yeah. it's, it's all in there in terms of flavor. And that's kind of what you get. And again, but going back to the, the ability to say, ah, this isn't good, but still let's just throw in a couple more chunks and, uh, and give it a couple of weeks and then come back and, and it gets you there. Generally, like if I'm if you're doing a, a thing like a rum or a port, you know, we've done port, we've done um, peach brandy, we've done the rum and rye, we've done um, a lot of beer. We worked with some breweries. Uh, I want to shout out to um, our guys who make the Tabula Rasa Second Chance Brewing uh, down uh, just outside of San Diego. Man, awesome. Tabula Rasa Porter. We did a Porter beer. That thing was awesome. Um, <laughs> And it was really cool for them to collaborate with us. We have the same distributor in California. So really, really cool uh, to work with them and create a, a co-branded product like that. So did you take their beer barrels? Their beer barrels, our bourbon, oak nice. barrels. A little bit of ex-bourbon barrels. We, we, we try to keep the oak barrel to a minimum of two kinds of barrels just to kind of create that complexity. Gotcha. With the exception of those single oaks you've got which we'll dive into in a moment. But if you want to try the 116 quickly, um, yep. give that last of the last of the core stuff a try, and then we'll get into the specialty. And you've got some really cool stuff in front of you, actually. So I don't even think I have the Amonti. I think we're out of Amontillado in this office. I have a lot at home that I save that I drink periodically, but that's the one that people are have gone, I think, craziest over. 
I could tell you the popularity of these based on like what people post and, and what people tag us on and stuff. It's very, it's very, there's a clear winner uh, in the lineup that people like the most. Uh, hopefully maybe you'll see, maybe you like it too. Your, your bottles are incredibly photogenic. Uh, your, your labels are beautiful. They're they, I, like, I'm not joking. And I'm not a, Good. like a professional photographer. I'm a hack on Instagram, but, but taking pictures of your bottles and making them look fucking shit hot is super easy. Like just because it's, it is a beautiful bottle. Um, you know, the, you guys pick that your color and your, how you tint your labels. My wife designed it and Hats much off. to her and your dismay, I'm changing all of it. <laughs> oh, I'm changing the whole thing from the, whole from the thing. top to the bottom, <laughs> toward everything. And if you can trust me on this, uh, uh, Ian, I don't, I don't know, you don't know me too well yet, but you're getting to, you got to trust me. It will look even better, which, which it doesn't seem possible. They look great, but even better. We, we really had a great design company and I poured my heart and soul into what I wanted Broken Barrel to be. And I spent a lot of time and more money than I wanted to but I'm cheap. So it's, you know, depends on <laughs> a lot of people say I didn't spend enough, but I don't know. We talked to opinions, but yeah. So one sixteen proof. So I've been sipping on this one for a couple of years. I've had this bottle for probably about, I think about two years now and, uh, and I'll, oh, I'll nice. pull from it here and there. So it's, it is, I am, I am familiar and I, I like it. There's a lot more, uh, in the one sixteen proof to, to chew on literally and figuratively there's, there's, a different level of flavor that you just, you don't get under, like I'd say 110 proof is really where I want things to be at. My, my favorite proof is 55% 110 proof. That's my favorite. Uh, it's not right too hot yep. and it's not too weak. I'll, I'll settle for uh, 100 proof often. And I will, and again, I gotta make some whiskeys that are just for people that aren't me. And so, um, you know, like the 88 proof is really for the world to enjoy versus me. You know, I, I remember sitting in grocery stores serving vodka to, you know, moms and grandmas that are coming in and want to try the vodka. And they go, oh, that's way too hot. It's 40%. So you got to, you got to appreciate, you don't want to alienate someone from experiencing your product because you made everything at cast strength. And there are those brands. There's the barrels of the world, barrel spirits. I'll drink their stuff all day because I like cast strength and a lot of people do and they're doing exceedingly well um, because they, they are true to that. Um, I think for us, we just want to create a little, you know, a whiskey for everyone. There should be at least something in this entire portfolio that you like, depending on what kind of whiskeys you are or not into. So, and that's, there's an art to that. And, and, you guys just making that, uh, you know, this, this could be a tasting, your lineup could be a tasting, uh, because you start at the lower proof. And that's something that I had to learn. It took me a long time. And, you know, folks would come over and be like, all right, Ian, you know, share some whiskey. And I'd be like, oh, this stuff's awesome. It's 105. They're not used to sipping anything above 80. They hit it and they're done. You know, they're like, oh, Jesus. Oh, you know, it's like, oh, blow them out. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to, I had to, to learn the process of, of warming them up and then, uh, learning how to play to people's uh, flavors. You know, well, hey, what do you think about that? Oh, it's this, it's this, it's this. And then so going off of what they like and don't like about it, then being able to grab something else and, and plug it in uh, and, and the diversity, having a, a, a stock that's diverse enough to, to kind of grab those types of profiles to kind of get them 
uh, down the road is has been great. But you, we can do that with this. Like the, you have yeah. the the perfect tasting lineup, um, uh, legit to take people from from the low to the to the hot and and play with all these flavor profiles in between. So the the one sixteen is is that 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 beautiful cast strength. I, I love the character of the barrel when it comes out. I love the, uh, just the, the bourbon nature. Bourbon is just that, that happy place. So I get a lot of sweetness. Uh, the heat is not overpowering for me. It's, it's kind of in, it's a little bit higher than what I like. I'm, I'm with you. I'm the, the 95 to, to 110 range is my, my happy place. But, uh, yeah, the, yeah, it's so just, I, I, I'm nosing. I'm yeah. The folks at home are literally like, Oh, why is there dead air? It's cause I'm nosing. <laughs> It, me too. <laughs> now I, I got my nose in the Now I have I have uh, what I was mentioning before. You can if you got the video, you can see the the Flaviar. Um, this is the uh, port cask. Yeah. So it's eighty percent port and twenty percent uh, French oak. And uh, this one we're doing only right now. Currently, we're only doing this with Flaviar. Um, if you are a Flaviar member and you and you get uh, the monthly boxes or whatnot the quarterly boxes mm -hmm. there's an option to pick um a, a full bottle and they've got a bunch of brands on there and we have started to work with them ongoing to offer varying different uh finished uh oak bills so they've done rum and rye they've done port um and they are available i think in in massachusetts i think they can you can do flaviar there so i believe so yeah yeah, it's, this one. So this one's cool. I my tasting notes will be different. I don't have the regular cast strength in front of me, but oh, this one's just like crazy. Uh, I don't know how it got to end up being butterscotchy, but mm. you just have all this like caramelized onion almost. Like it's just like sweet onions, like really crazy pungent like notes. Um, it's very savory too uh, on the nose, and then when you try it, it's just crazy buttery kind of like they don't sound like they would go together like buttery but also dark fruit and also sweet it's like sweet fruit butter which kind of makes almost sounds like uh like a dark like blackberry jelly over a butter on a piece of toast kind of a thing yeah could be like maybe how they they do go together this is a this is a treat. This one, <laughs> I like this one a lot. It's maybe one of my one of my current favorites. It's the port finish. Hopefully, uh, Flaviar doesn't listen to this. But we told them we got like X amount of barrels or bottles out of it. But we really set aside like several cases for ourselves <laughs> nice. uh, as samples as samples for us to take home and give out to investors and stuff. So we had set aside like, oh, this is really good. Don't tell them we got forty four cases. Tell them we got forty. And like we set four aside and we kept some because <laughs> otherwise it's like it's gonna leave and we're never gonna have gotten any of it. It's like you know we gotta keep some. It's really good and we gotta compare if we do it again. We gotta compare it back to what we made the first time. Well, right. I mean, it, it's for science. Right? You, I mean, you, you gotta keep it for science. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, this is really, really, this one's my favorite actually. <laughs> so I mean, as a creator. Um, you know, you, you make your little babies and you send them out in the world. Uh, that, that was one of the questions I had coming up was, you know, uh, do you do you keep the kids at home too? Like, do you have a bottle of everything from the very start? In the conference room, yeah. We have a bottle of, we have a, so I keep a signed bottle 
I keep the first bottle of every run of everything we ever make. I sign it, I put 001, and I throw it on the shelf over, actually right uh, right there. Those are the whiskeys, at least. The okay. vodkas, I think I keep them at home. But I have every bottle of every iteration we've ever made. I think I gave my mom a bunch of the first editions as well, of the original vodkas, um, which were really different when I first made them. And then in the conference room, I have, I think, almost every batch of whiskey. I have like nine of the 10 batches of bourbon in there. Um, there are some batches that came and went so fast that we didn't actually think to set some aside or mm. we were distracted at the time. Or we didn't figure, we like forgot to tell someone. Um, I mean, the stuff, you know, they'll bottle it and then they'll palletize it. And if there's an order like waiting, they'll ship it out real quickly. And so, you know, if I see like maybe batch three of the rye, I don't think I have batch three of the rye. I don't think I have batch, uh, I want to say like five or six of the bourbon. And I'm missing one of the cast strength, but pretty much pretty full. Like, again, if you think about 10 batches of this skew, and it's, it's a lot of bottles actually, right. and you add it all up. So yeah. it's probably a hundred different bottles in that room, just one wall over. And they're all open too. So we can like open them and try them. Like no one goes in there and really drinks. At, we know everyone in the office knows not to touch it. But if I have like, if like if you were here in LA and you said, I want to try batches one through 10 of the bourbon with the exception of one missing batch, you and I could do that. And that happens once in a blue moon. So we could do it 50 times before we even got like to the dregs of the bottle, which at that point we'd maybe stop for a while. But <laughs> That's, so, that, that's fair yeah let's, i want to get you through these other ones you got three more um and i'll just really quickly walk you through them i would start with the fen walker which i don't know if i can oh yeah your screen sharing is blocked i had a fan i had a, one of our guys send us a someone made a logo for this themselves today like it has fan art this bottle. <laughs> you should be able to share it now. I, I just, uh, right, so check this out. Check this out. Somebody made this for us today. I got this this morning, right? So Fen Walker, if you think about Fen is another word for a marsh or a bog or a swamp, um, wetlands, anything, anything of the like. And if you think about, um, harvesting scotch, like it, it is, uh, sorry, uh, harvesting peat to make scotch, they go to these marshes and these bogs. So I just thought this, this is like a next level thing for me, like to see somebody fan art and logo an addition of a bottle of our brand, which is just weird. Like, it's just weird that somebody, not weird, it's, it's amazing, it's amazing. But it's just weird to feel like you've had that kind of an impact with a product. So if you turn it to the side, you'll see the, uh, the Swamp Monster which is kind of like, you know, we did the, uh, the Isle of Pete had the really big, beautiful art. Yeah. And like the single oak series. Yep. We wanted to keep the element of the oak bill and the, the mash bill on there and keep that transparency, but we didn't want to lose the art element. So this is this bottle we put out that just had a little bit of art, black and white, very simple. Um, but you got this like swamp creature and it's just kind of we only did 175 sorry 156 packs i'm sorry 156 packs which is like uh 900 bottles right 150 times six is 900 bottles yes. yeah 
900 bottles. So comparatively, the single oak series, we did 3,300 bottles per skew. So this was substantially less than any of the single oaks. We only, and it only made it to California. Was that intentional? Uh, yeah, we, we only had that much. We had a, the, the full transparency of it is we were making, I don't know how this happens, but every time I start doing something like there's always a miscalculation on the first batches. <laughs> I bought two years, we were doing cinnamon apple and I bought two years worth of cinnamon thinking it would only be enough for the very first run from our cinnamon apple vodka. So a, even today, even, even now, uh, or at least two years ago, we were making the ILP. We had our Laphroaig barrels, 15 year old Laphroaig barrels that we were gonna finish this in. And then we were dumping and dumping and dumping and we were like adding the water to bring it to proof. And we had more, we had about 110 cases over what we anticipated needing to hit the 1100 cases we were scheduling to make. So we had 1200 cases instead of 1100 cases. And then I look over and we still had, this is the crazy part. We still had four barrels of American uh, single malt whiskey, two barrels of wheat whiskey and a, a tote, a 1000 liter tank filled with 800 liters of a mix of two and two, uh, two <laughs> barrels of wheat, two barrels of American, which is the, which is the blend for the Isle of Feet. And it hadn't even gone into the tank where the staves were with the Laphroaig staves. So I said, well, don't throw it in there, leave it, don't touch it. Like, let's not put it in the blend. And I'm like, don't put any more barrels in this tote, Just leave the barrels alone. I still have them, they're in the other room. Um, I've got four, two and a half year old, uh, it's almost three-year-old uh, American single malts and two three-year-old straight wheat whiskeys. Uh, 95 wheat, 5% malted barley. Ooh. And they're all, they're each individually, they're amazing on their own. So we're going to do single barrel stuff with that. But that tote was already blended and it sat there doing nothing for a year in the tote, not even vatted in a, in a, in a vat. And we're like, we gotta, we gotta do something with it. You gotta put it, you gotta get it in some barrels. You gotta get some barrels <laughs> in there. You gotta break it up. So we got 10 year old Ardbeg barrels and a 500 liter Sherry butt, which is a gigantic, it's very, very tall, thousand pounds when full. And we let it age in Nevada for six months with all of those barrel staves in there. And that's the Fenwalker. So that's, this is like the younger, smoother, sweeter, sherry diversion of the Isle of Pete. This is more abrasive. This is 110 proof. This is 94.6 proof, which is kind of what it ended up at um, when we finally uh, got it into the bottle. So four barrels of this. Uh, ooh, I'll have to do the math. I forget how many barrels this was. It was like 30 barrels. So uh, just four barrels of the Fenwalker total. 150 cases what we got. I started playing with this earlier and, and the nose is still, is still totally messing me up. Uh, I already like drank some of it, but I'll drink some more. <laughs> there's um, I get the, the hints of, of the peat in there. I get that on the, on the, on the, the palate, but man, this is one of those weird whiskeys for me personally, where it does not nose. Uh, it doesn't taste as it noses. No, the nose is weird. Actually, the nose is very confusing. 
pine because, almost yeah like pine, it's very uh, aromatic and yep. very herbal on the nose which yes. is just a weird kind of like pine meets dark chocolate and the flavor if i had to describe it you have dark chocolate with sour raspberry um it's a very after dinner whiskey for me i get these like so the nose the nose is a, is a terrible way to describe it because when you taste it it's a totally different thing yeah and for those listening at home if you can get this um it, absolutely get it because you're not gonna be upset it, it tastes beautiful but it is one of those really uh bizarre ones that that is that that very distinct difference between what you smell before you sip and then what you sip at the end um Again, a lot of that, yeah, that the herbal, the peat comes through so beautifully. Uh, I'm not a, a cultivar beg person, uh, but uh, Lagavulin has a special place in my heart. Uh, so, uh, so that gotta get on Ruch Lottie. Ruch Lottie oh. is where it's at, man. Okay, haven't haven't played there yet. That's that is my favorite uh, producer of Scotch currently, Ruch Lottie. I, I, I have spent way too much money on their stuff. I might actually take a couple bottles of the Octomore home tonight and open those up finally. Um, that's some really peaty stuff. That's the that's heavy hitting, hundred plus ppm. So, so yeah. So this guy, I mean, look, uh, Ben Walker is a fun bottle. It really is a one-off kind of little project that we didn't intend to make, but we had a lot of fun figuring out what we were going to do with this blend. And, you know, I actually like it more than the Isle of Pete, personally. It's a nice, uh, very palatable proof. I would spend a lot less time sipping it and a lot more time drinking it because the nose, again, is just so disconnected. I don't know why that is, but the nose is very disconnected from these beautiful, beautiful, I, I keep coming back to like dark chocolate notes. And the, the finish is just, really that perfect length um this thing i, I think it, it opens up a lot if you do add ice too um mm. it does change a little bit and become even more uh savory and and it really even uh rounds it out even a bit more but my god it's just a funk funk funky whiskey and i just i don't know i i i like this one for what it is um, I'm very excited to do more things like this out of uh, LA here where we have we have the distillery license coming uh, very soon actually so we should be able to do a lot more projects and actually do like we don't want to bog down Kentucky with stuff right. like this so we're going to do these like you know one two three four barrel um, projects here mm. and, not, and not bother them with it so They'll, they'll be happy. We'll be happy. We can get creative and try stuff and not waste their time. Cause they're going to, they want to do the volume stuff. They want to do the bourbon, the rye. They want to do, you know, 10, 20, 30 barrels at a time. Yeah. And that's, they, they, that, that's what they should be doing. Honestly, I should let them do that. The, the money's in the throughput for them. So I, I get, I, I get that. I do. Yeah. We make a lot more money on this stuff than we do on the, on the core stuff. And they make a lot more money on the core stuff than they do on this stuff. So we're both kind of incentivized to stick, stay in our lanes in that sense. I, so I'm not going to lie. I was talking with Mike uh, a while back and, uh, and 
he he kind of gave me the, the hint that this was coming and I had a trip to Arizona coming up and I was like, okay, where, where can I get this? And he kind of showed me. So I, I know shit had it planned. Uh, the trip ended up getting canceled. We didn't actually end up going to Arizona at that time, but uh, I had a plan. I was going to do a freaking 24 hour kamikaze run uh, uh, up to where it was selling to grab it. Did we send you that bottle? Yep. Okay, sure great. did. Well, you yeah, didn't have no. to yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't have to. Uh, I didn't have to make the midnight run to California <laughs> from Arizona oh. to grab the bottle. But I was. I was prepared to do it. Uh, well, for those of... listening, you can hopefully go check. Um, Lovescotch.com did take, I think, uh, forty bottles, just forty bottles, and that was in late January. So it's been a couple weeks. I don't know if they have any left, but Lovescotch.com does have Fenwalker. It is the only online site that'll ship to any non-control states. Um, so, you know, if you live in Ohio or Pennsylvania, I'm sorry, but we don't, I don't think you can get any of our stuff there, honestly, but <laughs> we're working on it. We're trying, we'll figure it out. Okay. So you've got, so Isle of Pete, yeah. So I just do Isle of Pete yeah. um, to compare. I'd go back and forth with it quickly because it's the same blend. So both of these guys, are uh, 53.5% uh, malted barley and, sorry, 52.5 malted barley, 47.5 wheat. So there's wheat in this, wheat whiskey, 95.5 wheat. And uh, as I said, the, uh, the Fenwalker is 50% ex sherry, 50% ex Isla cask. This Isle of Pete is 100% ex Isla cask. So this is uh, the the um this one was 15 year old lafroy barrels and the fenwalker was a more um mild uh less peated ardbeg uh tenure so isle of pete uh 55 percent 110 proof um younger whiskey too this was the whiskey about a year before the other before the fenwalkers fenwalk is about a year older this is butter this is butterscotch and peat like yeah, hardcore butterscotch and peat, which is so weird. It's a buttery, peaty, uh, almost like earth. There's a real dirty earthiness to it that um, that you get a real uh, almost mezcal-like mouthfeel, which is kind of a weird way to describe something. But if you know, if you don't, if you drink a lot of mezcal, you know, you really get the elements of the earth and the ground. I think the the barrels we got were were just they you can't you can't believe that whiskey comes out of these things and tastes the way it does because they just look so dirty inside and out these barrels you you would be shocked if you saw even just a bourbon barrel even just a regular bourbon barrel dump it out you would be shocked at what comes out of the last drops the first pour is pretty clean but as you get to the end drops of a bourbon barrel or any barrel for that matter the black charks and the little alligator pieces from the char cuts are coming out. And you you end up with this kind of like really slushy last, you know, few liters of the of the barrel. And you're always amazed at how this stuff tastes once you filter it and clean it a little bit, like uh, just to get the sediment out. It, it's amazing. It's just, it, the, the process never ceases to, to blow me away. I've been fortunate enough to just twice uh, take one 
one pull, they they rolled the barrel over. I was able to get my glass underneath, and and it was a it was a Knob Creek of all things. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, and uh, which I, I this was very early on in my my whiskey uh, adventure, so so I really yeah. didn't know how what I was appreciating. I knew it was awesome and it was special, but I couldn't tell you a goddamn thing about it at the time. <laughs> uh, and then I did it again uh, at the Boston Harbor Distillery here, just south of oh, Boston. Oh, Rhonda. Yeah, and uh, and they super the experience being able to pull it right out of the barrel is is always awesome and and, and a, a wonderful thing. But uh, but to be able to get that that no shit straight straight out of you know uh, the source and and to see it and there were there were you know little sediment chunks and floating out ah, it's charcoal I'm, I'm good you know what I mean like yeah. <laughs> I drink from the barrels here we drink every you know we got about almost twenty now. Um, and we're just getting started here. Uh, we we pull from the wheat and the American malt. I have some corn whiskey here, and uh, we actually have a special project. We took uh, this 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 um, orange. Uh, it's 100% corn, and it's got orange and clove in it. It was a vodka, and we had some older bottles of it, and we had hundreds and hundreds, almost a thousand bottles. And we started filling bourbon barrels back in 2019. So I have some two-year-old corn, orange, clove, barrel-aged vodka. Oh my goodness. That's two years old in Nevada. The ABV is going up, okay? Right. Uh, it went into the barrel at 80 proof. Um, and what we're gonna do is take all of that stuff and we're gonna do these batches of a rock and rye, hopefully, sooner rather than later, but sometime this year, at least before the holidays. And we will blend the orange and clove with the, with the, uh, I'm, I'm working on getting some 100% rye whiskey for this, um, but it'll be like two to one rye to that. And it'll be a, a rock and rye where the sweet orange clove barrel aged um, corn alcohol will mix with the rye whiskey. And then you'll have this kind of like liqueur-esque thing, 100 proof. Uh, right over a rock, orange peel, right in the glass, kind of like a pre-made old fashioned, but a little bit more, um, uh, you know, kitchen cabinet spice to it for sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. That, yeah. That sounds awesome. Yep. <laughs> and then in, in Nevada too, of, uh, of all things. Yeah. The first ones will be Nevada. It'll be the, uh, Nevada barrels. And then that we have three of those. And then the rest are here in LA um and have been aging here and the oldest ones maybe six seven months old so we'll do we'll start with like maybe nine barrels and then we'll do some uh some the stuff we have here you won't see it come out till next year at least we want to get at least to a year and a half um but that the two-year stuff we're gonna it's gonna be fun so uh, th this isle of pete uh, it, it's it's playing for for number one for me for the evening Oh, wow. Okay. See, that's what I love is that I, I actually like the Ben Walker better because of the sweetness and the sherry and the, the, the funky, you know, disorienting uh, qualities to it. Right. And just, the, just the, the story behind it for me is just kind of like, it's like one of my favorite things. We, we took this, it really is a swamp monster. Like the swamp monster, I couldn't think of a better... Um, description it's just like this monster whiskey that came out of nowhere and it's like lurking out of the <laughs> out of the muck and you're like 
where did this shit come from? But it's here and it, would, it happened and people bought it and liked it. And, you know, we're going to send it off uh, later this, this quarter for uh, reviews and see what the, what the industry thinks and whatnot. But yeah, but the ILP was a lot more calculated. We, we paid for a much better artist <laughs> to do some artwork <laughs> for us. And so that's a cool product. Um, but the last one, because we're going long here, is the uh, cask of Amontillado. So this is the one that people online just go nuts over. I mean, this is a 12-year corn whiskey, 99% corn, 1% malted barley, 12-year-old. That was mixed with a five-year-old um, uh, Kentucky corn whiskey. So all of the whiskeys in this product had never seen um, new charred oak. They all went into used barrels. And that's why they're all corn whiskeys, not bourbons. But we took a 12-year and a five-year, blended them together. And we took this really... We got, so Amontillado Sherry, Amontillado ages for a very long time. It's not, it's not hundred percent known to us how old the barrels were, but at a minimum, anywhere from 15 to 25 years. So these barrels, when we got these barrels in, I mean, they're as black outside as they are inside. The whole thing looks like um, shipwreck wood, so to speak. And, and, and they're just, they're just uh, barely hanging on. And the, the insides of the barrels look like they've been almost lacerated or cut by the alcohol. And the, the wood is almost starting to like separate a little bit. It's not anything like you've seen from just like the char alligator of a bourbon barrel. Right. It's very different. And this is, you know, these are aging in these kind of catacombs in, in Spain and 20 years of, you know, high proof, after after dinner you know grape based uh brandy fortified all this stuff um it's crazy so and and what i love about this is still to this day so few people have used the Montiato. so few people have gotten into this particular subsect of sherry um really the best example is like uh cavalon Cavalon out of Taiwan does Fino Sherry, they do Amontillado, they do PX, they do Port. And I love, I, I've got a, somewhere if I maybe raise this up, back here, right above my head, you can see my Cavalons. Yep. Their stuff is just awesome. So I was really inspired by that. Um, my best friend, one of my best friends, Josh, uh, drew the artwork for this one himself. So he, uh, he also drew this, the uh, the little little right. face coming out of the wall there. He drew he drew the infuser. <laughs> that <laughs> he is made awesome. Me a, he, my wife behind my back commissioned him as a as an artist to draw me as a superhero because I'm a huge Marvel nerd, and so uh, so he did the artwork on that bottle. Uh, he's an amazing amazing artist, and so we got to work together, which is really cool. And it's just for so many reasons, it's a special bottle. Um, it was the first uh, first one that I knew I was going to do out of the single oak series and took a long time to get the oak. But once we got it, we, we put it right in the whiskey. And what happened is the whiskey turned almost black. I mean, the whiskey is dark. It's crazy dark. And I was noticing that it's people have commented that it's like one of the darkest whiskeys out there. It's very, very different. But 
there's so much to unpack in that whiskey. It's just got a lot of layers. It's just uh, really a beautiful, you know, crazy whiskey. <laughs> I, I think the 12 year has a lot to influence there. I think that's where the, the overall roundness. And then uh, I'm sure some of that's coming from uh, the, the, uh, I, I'm, again, I'm terrible with this. Uh, Amontillado. Amontillado. Think of it uh, like a Y, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that, that that's playing in there too. But uh, uh, those, I don't know, I 10 to 15-year whiskeys feel different for me. I can, I, they do. There's just, there's just a totally different feeling. And, and, and there's a lot of that influence in there uh, right off the get-go. So it's just, uh, it's like putting a Werther's in your mouth. But the, the flavors are different. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's that yeah. just that, that thick kind of I, I'm still trying to unpack it because there's a lot going on. But um, <laughs> there's a lot. This one changes, too, um, as you let it sit. So if you were to pour this and wait five, 10 or even 15 minutes, the experience you'll get once it's oxidized is completely different. And once you open your bottle of this and you come back to it, your second uh, foray into the bottle will be different than your first. I feel like this whiskey is almost alive in a way that other whiskeys may not be. And it really changes and adapts to the glass and um, even just the oxidation of opening it for the first time. I can't say that about the other whiskeys really. I mean, especially the core lineup, they don't have that same evolution. There's just something, this whiskey in particular has that, that characteristic to it. Yeah, and it's uh, has a, a dry finish, kind of like, and I'm sure that's oh, yeah. the, that sherry that influence there, pretty strong, which is, which is always uh, it's fun for me to you know because it's whiskey, but it it brings me back to like a wine experience. Um, this is complicated. <laughs> this this one is not not an easy one to to play with. I think uh, I think my palate is a little undertrained for this. This is a yeah. I hate this the word complex. Whiskey. I hate that word when people are talking about, oh, this whiskey's, uh, no, like, give me, give me more than that. So a lot I'm, of layers to it. I mean, it, there's a, there's a, a dryness, a nuttiness. There's a very dark fruit, um, influence to it. There's a lot of, uh, again, I actually, I should go find a bottle somewhere in the office if I can, but it's just a crazy, uh, layered, thing that it just doesn't uh doesn't just do one thing it's doing a lot of things at once it's right. it's pulling in a lot of directions um I, i'll maybe one day and i'd love to try this again with the montiato and maybe a different blend a different base and see if i couldn't create uh, a more maybe at a lower proof even just create something like this that uh I'm not, I'm not done with the Montiato uh, by, by any stretch. I would love to go back there and do it one more time. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that, that, that is a, that's an interesting one. And I would be anxious to see how, how your, your creativity plays into, uh, <laughs> to taking that and, and making it even better. So listen, I, I have taken up so much of your time this evening. And, no, and yeah, I think I'm, we got through it all. We got I'm through it so all. I'm so appreciative yeah, of, of all your time here. Uh, so a, a couple last questions and then, uh, the final segment, uh, we'll we'll try to rip through this pretty quick. Uh, so let's let's think ahead. The year's twenty thirty one. What where what, what are you? Where are you? What are you doing? How many products do you have out right now? Twenty thirty one. So we're we're ten years oh, down the road. God. Where do you where do you see infused spirits and broken barrel being? Um, I see broken barrel 
being uh, hopefully at, at the top of the list when people think of finished whiskey and they've really learned that this brand has, you know, I need a quick bottle for the night and then you go grab a broken barrel and I'll be at your house soon kind of effect. Yeah. Um, and that's available in all 50 states and multiple countries. Um, I could see this doing well in Canada and Australia, the UK, Asia. Um, so uh, international expansion between now and then would be uh, a hope of mine and to travel and actually get to go to those places and, and bring the brand there personally and go meet those people and shake hands with the buyers and the consumers and get to know them and their palates and how they differ from people here uh, would be a really crazy experience and, and something I very much look forward to infuse uh, spirits and our vodka and our bitters. I mean, just household, just need that brand to just in the next 10 years, that needs to be, if you haven't heard of it, I hope, hopefully you're living under a rock. I want people to know that we make the best goddamn vodka ever. I mean, it really, I don't drink a lot of vodka, but when I do drink vodka, it's, it's that, I mean, it's, it's there's, I, I surprise myself because I can go months, you know, up to six months without even drinking any vodka other than trying our stuff. And every time I come back to it, I just go, damn, we really did make the, the best vodka ever. It's just like, I, you know, it, it's just, and it's not, it's not like we are the best vodka makers. We don't distill the vodka by any means. You know, my utmost respect to anybody that's, you know, taken the grain and turned it into a beautiful vodka. And there's so many great vodkas on my shelf that I have the utmost respect for. It's, we took an idea that you have these lemon vodkas or these orange vodkas or whatever. I mean, there's, there's go to Deep Eddie and there's not a fruit in the building. I've been there. I've been to Dripping Springs and all these places. Fruit this, fruit that. And there's no fruit anywhere. <laughs> and you go to our place and there's fruit in your hair. If you have hair, there's fruit in your hair. And there's the peels in your, there's peels under your nails and there's, there's cinnamon. You can't get the smell off your hands no matter how many times you wash them. This is real fruit and there's real ingredients and you can't bake that. And it's in the bottle and a child, my daughter could look at a bottle of Grey Goose and a bottle of mine and go, there's lemon in that one. Cause I can see the lemon in the bottle. So that's, that's the whole point is we make a real vodka with a real fruit and there's no ifs, ands, or buts it's floating in the bottle. So, you know, hopefully that doesn't turn you off from trying it because it's, the, the, the flavor is just out of control good. On its own, I, I made all those vodkas to drink neat. They're all 40% 80 proof. You can make cocktails or mix them or drink them on ice or soda water or however you drink vodka, but they're good, they're good on their own. They were designed to be drank straight is kind of how I originally came up with everything. So, Which is different. No sugar added or anything too. Yeah, it's, that, that's different for vodkas. Uh, a lot of vodkas, you know, they it, it seems as though they're made simply to uh, be inside of something else. The flavor of the whatever you're mixing is is the the whatever. But yeah, that that's the great. And on the bottom for like neon lights and stuff. Yep, <laughs> that's yep. not our vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and and what what a journey your vodka has been from your your grandmother's garage, if I remember correctly, to yeah. to to where you are to where you are right now. So yeah, that that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Grandma said no no parties and no drinking in the garage when she let me go in there to create a little office so I can get out of the house because I just moved back with my parents. And so 
I remember bringing her the double gold and said, Grandma, you know, you said no vodka, no, no drinking, but I just made the world's best vodka this year out of a recipe I made in your garage. And she goes, okay, well, maybe you can do, maybe you can drink, but no party still. <laughs> so that was that. But I think she's proud. I think she's happy. Hell yeah. She's a good customer. She actually like goes out without telling me and goes and buys the vodka and like, I'm like, grandma, I'll give you the vodka. You don't have to buy it. And she goes, no, I like seeing people's faces when I tell them that you're my grandson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't give you that experience of watching some, you know, Middle Eastern store owner in East LA, you know, telling you that <laughs> he's proud of your grandson or something. <laughs> uh, this is way better than any picture in a wallet would ever be. I'm just, uh, I'm going to put that out there. Just, uh, it's so, good. It's good. Yeah, your She's... grandma, your grandma's got that right. She's she's keeping us in business, man. <laughs> All right, Seth. So uh, unfortunately for you, uh, guests on Why Whiskey uh, aren't allowed to leave until they uh, they give us uh, our five final questions. So these are going to be uh, five, final. five final questions, kind of rapid fire. Don't overthink them. Uh, nothing too crazy, uh, and uh, and just have have some fun with them if you can. All right. You're asking me the questions, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I didn't write anything. I don't have any questions for you. <laughs> I have right, plenty so. of questions, but we can after the show, maybe. Okay. Here we I'm go. Ready. I'm ready. You're ready. Go. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I've had a few whiskeys. I'm good. <laughs> All right. So we'll start off something easy. Number one, give us your spirit animal. Oh, uh, a wolf. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a wolf right on. Okay. What five items do you keep? in your mental health first aid kit? Oh, I don't have one of those. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? I, don't have a, I don't have a mental health first aid kit. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, Whiskey, video games, family, in no particular order, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, exercise and uh, companionship with friends and, and you know, whatever's not family. I don't know. Any of those things are all calming. Uh, the whiskey's in there for sure. <laughs> gotcha. Excellent. All right. Give us your, uh, uh, your all time number one favorite, uh, whiskey or distilled spirit. That's not my own. That's not your own. Oh man. Scotch. I'd say Bruch Lottie. Uh, and I, I love Heaven Hill. I have a lot of Heaven Hill whiskey. It's pretty freaking good. So I would say bourbon. That's not mine. Something from Heaven Hill and scotch. I'd say Brooklady. My favorite. Oh. All right. What's your favorite? That is yours. Oh, I got to You know, right now I got to say that port finish Flaviar bourbon is crazy good. I for, I guess I didn't have that for a minute. That's really good. I was drinking that. <laughs> I kind of fell out of my chair. It's so good. Um, but we make a peach brandy that's really, really good too. And that's, you know, they're all good. I don't know. It's hard. It's really hard. Uh, the port of the peach are tied right now. They're just also recent. I don't know. They're good. <laughs> ben Walker's <laughs> really good too. Uh, one of those. All right. So if it says broken barrel on the label, we'll put that as, as the, uh, yeah. the number one. There we go. All right. So uh, question number four, if you could know one truth about yourself, what would that be? These are hard questions. Uh, so this is the one people overthink. If I could know one truth about myself, but yep. like that implies I don't know. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I 
am I a good whiskey maker? Which is maybe a tr the truth uh, someone else needs to tell me. Kind of hard to say that about yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. that's a legit one. That is that is absolutely legit. I think I think it's true, but it, I, maybe someone can verify that. And I feel better knowing that <laughs> someone else thinks it's true that I am a good whiskey maker. I don't know. All right, uh, friends and fellow barmates, uh, you heard him. So go grab Seth's stuff, give it a try, and let him know uh, that he is, in fact, a good whiskey maker because uh, uh, I'm going to say it, but uh, but I need you all to say it too. <laughs> but anyway, all right. Uh, so we are a, a history podcast with a whiskey problem is how we kind of bill ourselves. Uh, so the last one's a, a history question. Uh, does, does history ever scare you? Absolutely. It's horrifying because we keep doing the same things over and over again. So... I think history is important for people to take a look at uh, everything that's gone on from like way in the past to even more recently in just the last couple decades and understanding um, that there are some things that need to continue to change and, and hopefully people can be more uh, just just really think about the things that 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 have impact their lives, truly impact their lives, and the things that don't. But and how much care and concern and rage or hate or or things that people feel for the things that don't impact their lives or shouldn't, and just try to try to get along a little bit better. And I, I hate the feeling that we live in a very divided country, which I think a lot of Americans are feeling lately. And if they look back at where we've come from, you can you can see the progress we've made, but you can also uh, quickly identify that there's a lot there's a long way to go, and I think people hopefully can work together to get uh, to a better place in ten years from where we are currently and where we were ten years before that, and ten years before that, and ten years before that. So, but yeah, history is is scary because it's you see you see how far you've come and how far you haven't come. And the haven't part is a little horrifying, but, uh, we realize where we came from, but we, we also realize that we ain't there yet. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're not quite there yet. And yeah. will we ever get there? Who knows? But you know, you can all just find one thing in common. Maybe it's whiskey. Maybe it's whiskey. <laughs> God, I hope it's whiskey. I hope it's whiskey. Yeah. People like me a lot then because I got a lot to share. <laughs> so, that you do. That you do. All right, my friend. Well, that'll that'll be up for us here tonight at uh, Y Whiskey and the Bar of Questionable Life Choices. I've been talking with uh, Mr. Seth Benheim from Broken Barrel, the master infuser himself, uh, taking barrels, smashing them into pieces, injecting them into whiskey, and creating uh, unbelievable, crazy flavor profiles unlike anything else you can find on the shelf. So if you are lucky enough to be in a state that sells this, go get it right now. Just stop what you're doing. Go grab some. And, and play with your whiskey. I encourage that all the time. This is another one of those lines where you need to grab it, play with it, have some fun. Uh, Seth, uh, my audience is going to want to talk to you. Where can we talk to you? Uh, at Broken Barrel Whiskey on Instagram. Um, info at Infused Spirits if you have questions about our brands. I have another Instagram if you want more personal, just less formal interaction, which is uh, ben Hines, that's my last name, underscore bottles. Uh, that's where I post all the shit I'm drinking. So I, I found that way too many people were messaging me 
thinking Broken Barrel was just managed by me. So like my team gets on there and they'll respond to people. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's not me. So if you want to get me personally, just Benheim's Bottles or Broken Barrel Whiskey, and you can hear my podcast. I am the host of uh, the Cartel Hour podcast and, and uh, the Cast Cartel guys brought me on uh, with my co-host Cameron to talk spirits in general. So all spirits, tequila, mezcal, rum, gin, we drink everything. Excellent. All right. Excellent. All right, brother. All right, friends. So you've heard it here. Uh, we have drank through the lineup. Uh, we've talked to Seth. We've enjoyed a wonderful evening. Uh, all of the links to all of his contacts will be put in the show notes. All of the sites and all that that we have spoken about will also be there. My friends, be good to one another. Uh, enjoy the whiskey. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And as always, if you have any comments, questions, or would like to join me at the Bar Questionable Life Choices for an episode, hit me up on email at whiwhiskeyhistory at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers.